Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Good morning. We are reading today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. But let us pray. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. One of the dinner guests, on hearing this, said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat the bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time of the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned to his master and reported that no one could come. Then the owner of the house became very angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall last forever. Amen, amen. Hey friends, so we are continuing this conversation about Village Church as we approach our 75th birthday taking place next month, February 13th. So as we look back at our history, we're gathering some information about ourselves. In the midst of this, we read this parable from Jesus Christ, a story with a meaning or a purpose embedded in it. Jesus talks about a wealthy person who gives this great big banquet, a huge dinner. Given the time, this would have been a multi-day event. So please, don't just think this is a nice evening out. This would have been a multi-day event, and the person who is wealthy enough to sponsor this event invites others in the same socioeconomic class to come and partake of this wonderful dinner. 
a landowner, for instance, or a livestock owner, or someone who just got married, and those who go through official marriages in this culture, that also was a multi-day event. These are people of means, so it figures that the individual who's wealthy enough to throw this multi-day banquet is going to invite people that he knows and expects maybe eventually they'll also return the favor and invite him to one of their banquets as well. He gets excuses from these persons. And the excuses are actually insulting, right? Nobody in this culture would have bought a piece of land and never seen it. That's ridiculous. Or, or having livestock you have to work out at a certain time. Or getting married and scheduling a marriage at the same time. These are all insulting excuses. So the giver of this banquet is angry and says, go out and get other people to come to this banquet, people that no one expects. And the list is this, the blind, the poor, the crippled, the lame, have them come to this banquet. And in that moment, the table expands and changes. The great question for the early church was, is this gospel, this good news of Jesus of Nazareth, is this only for Jewish people or could it possibly for others beyond our Jewish tradition? The great conundrum for the early church and continuing is really who is the gospel for? Is it only for a select group of people or could it possibly be, oh golly, I don't know, on this day in particular, could it possibly be for fans of the Buffalo Bills? Could it possibly be? Of course, the answer is no. They're not in the kingdom of God. Okay, okay, in general they are, but just not today. They're in the kingdom of God, right? It's the great question of the church over and over again. Who's in the church and who's out? Who belongs at this table, this banqueting table, and who is excluded from this banqueting table? So in his remarkable book, How to Know a Person, The Art of Seeing Others Deeply and Being Deeply Seen, self-identified, I think he's a marvelous scholar, self-identified conservative columnist for the New York Times, David Brooks, has written this marvelous book, and Brooks says, at any given moment in a crowd of people, there are two kinds of persons, diminishers and illuminators. Brooks says, diminishers make people feel small and unseen. They see other people as things to be used, not as persons worthy of befriending. They stereotype people quickly and ignore them. They are so involved with themselves, these diminishers, that other people are just not on their radar screen. Then in contrast to diminishers, Brooks says there are illuminators, on the other hand. These illuminators, you know them when you meet them. They have this persistent curiosity about other people. They have been trained, or they train themselves, in the craft of seeking to understand others. They know what to look for and how to ask the right questions at just the right time. They're illuminators, he says, because they shine the brightness of their care on people. As a result of an encounter with an illuminator, 
you feel bigger and deeper, respected, seen, known, and you are lit up when you encounter an illuminator. So, Village Church, as I look back on our 75 years, we are far from perfect. I understand that. But this congregation, as the body of Christ, time and again, more often than not, given the choice between being diminishers or being illuminators, we've chosen to illuminate, to bring light. So we were officially chartered as a congregation in 1949, February 13th. That's why we're looking forward to Tuesday, February 13th, next week, next month. 19 years earlier, before 1949, 1930, the Presbyterian Church, as a denomination, allowed, allowed, didn't mandate, but allowed for the ordination of women to be elders and deacons in the church. Allowed it. For the first 14 years of Village Church's existence, all of our elders, the highest governing office in our congregation, those who sit on our session, they were all men, every single one of them. Not that unusual in the Presbyterian Church in the time. But then in 1963, the Village Church Nominating Committee and the congregation eventually. Voted to ordain a woman for the first time to be an elder in the church, Phyllis Machette. Phyllis Machette was put before the congregation along with a slate of other men to be voted on that class of elders. And in the minutes of the congregational meeting, it is noted that she was not approved unanimously. There were dissenters. Who were saying,、oh, I'm not sure women should be leading. I'm not sure they're capable or able of making the hard decisions it takes to be a leader in this congregation. But she was elected. There were even elders on the session sitting with her who did not think she should be there and did not vote to approve her. The most visible thing that elders do for the Presbyterian Church USA in worship is to stand in the aisles and to receive the trays of bread and the trays of juice during the communion of the Lord's Supper. And they distribute that bread and juice to the congregation. It is the single most visible time. And you'll see elders and deacons here every Sunday that we have communion, and those are our ordained officers. Trying to be kind, perhaps? One of the elders before that first communion Sunday when Phyllis was supposed to serve, he suggested, you know, those trays of bread, even more, the trays of juice, those are really heavy and can be taxing. And maybe for our new woman elder, she might want to not be there on Sunday morning because it's just heavy to carry those trays. In fact, the best thing is, Phyllis, why don't you join the other ladies on Saturday evening and prepare the elements ready for Sunday morning? That would be a lovely thing for you to do. And before she could answer, ruling elder Bill Deegan, there on the session, said, actually, It occurs to me that Phyllis, 
Mrs. Machette was elected an elder just like the rest of us. And since that's the case, this coming Sunday morning, she should stand in the aisles just like the rest of us and help serve the people, the body of Christ, and the cup of salvation. Diminish women as leaders in the church or illuminate them? We chose to illuminate. We weren't the first. It took us a while, but we got there. Illumination. It may surprise you, but for many, many years in the life of the Presbyterian Church and other denominations, when it comes to the Lord's Supper, our children were excluded from receiving the bread and the juice. The idea was this. Our children, as bright as they are, they really can't fully grasp and understand what happens in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. So we should pass them by until they go through confirmation class, and then, once we've tested them, then they can receive the bread and the juice. Sadly, there were some congregations that said persons with cognitive disabilities also should not receive the bread and the juice because they can't fully grasp what happens in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. So persons with Down syndrome, for instance, and others will bypass them too. Thankfully, through the gifts of our Christian educators and you who are experts in child development, you begin to bring us around so that by 1985, our session took an action to say explicitly that children and all persons, regardless of whether they've gone through confirmation, they will receive the Lord's Supper just like everyone else. In fact, there's a statement in the minutes that says, we also realize that in some ways, children and persons with disabilities they may understand the grace of God more than the rest of us. They can come to the table too. Diminish the role of children and persons with disabilities in our midst or illuminate them. We choose to illuminate, to shine the light of Christ. In the 1940s, when Prairie Village and the surrounding neighborhoods were being developed, Buyers of new homes were asked to sign a housing covenant that listed, among other things, that they would promise never to sell their own property to a person of color, especially persons who are black. In that same covenant, they pledged not to sell to Jews. Persons who lived in Prairie Village were told, we will not sell our property. We will not allow people who are not white to be our neighbors and Jewish persons to be our neighbors. That was the housing covenant. In 1972, when the Sewing family, the first black family to move into this area, they moved into Fairway, just north of us, our pastor, Dr. Bob Manley, got wind of that. And he went and made it a point to knock on their door and welcome them. He told them, please come to Village Presbyterian Church, just a little ways down Mission Road right there. You will be welcomed at Village Presbyterian Church. 
And courageously, they did. They came. And today, Henry Sewing, the son of that family, serves us for yet another time on our session as one of our ruling elders. And indeed, Henry is clerk of our session, to his chagrin and sadness. <laughs> It won't surprise you. Some people left their membership aside and walked away from this church because those people were allowed to come. I'm sorry about that and sad. The church had a chance to diminish the role of persons of color, Jewish sisters and brothers, or illuminate them. And we chose to illuminate. From the earliest days of the Presbyterian Church here in the United States, we've understood that women, not just to be elders and deacons, but to be pastors, that was a question among everyone. Eventually, in 1956, the Presbyterian Church ordained its first woman, the Reverend Dr. Margaret Townsend, in upstate New York. I'm privileged to say she's a friend of mine, still living in South Florida. She was a roommate of Jane Hess. I'm pointing to Taylor up there and Margaret. So eventually, not right away, but eventually, In 1984, Village Presbyterian Church called and installed its first woman as one of our pastors. There were other women who had served, Joe Tolliver and others in previous roles, but the Reverend Diane Cook was our first called and installed pastor among all of our pastors at Village Presbyterian Church. She started off as a pastor in youth ministry. Then she moved to adult discipleship, and then she moved to evangelism. She was the first in a long, esteemed line of women serving as pastors of our church. They include such remarkable leaders as Reverend Sandra Smith, Reverend Diane Quaintance, Reverend Dr. Cynthia Holder Rich, Reverend Meg McLaughlin, Reverend Jenny McDevitt, Reverend Hallie Hoddle. And today, Reverend Melanie Hardison, Reverend Sally Wright, Reverend Alice Whitson, Reverend Anna Owens, serving as our site pastor at our village on Antioch campus. Today, among the seven pastors right now at Village Presbyterian Church, four of them are women. And by God, I'm grateful for their leadership among us. Diminish the participation of ordained women as pastors in the church or illuminate them. We choose to illuminate. In 1996, the Presbyterian Church USA, deeply in struggle, thoughtfully affirmed that homosexuality was incompatible with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and therefore homosexual persons. Could not be allowed to be ordained as deacons or elders or ministers in the church. That was in 1996. The next year, in response, the senior pastor here, Reverend Dr. Robert Bowl, along with the senior pastor of the Fourth Presbyterian Church in Chicago, Reverend Dr. John Buchanan, they got together and prayerfully invited other pastors to join them. Lay leaders, 
and they formed an organization called the Covenant Network of Presbyterians. The stated purpose of the Covenant Network was to work for the full inclusion of gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgendered persons in the full life of the Church of Jesus Christ. That Covenant Network helped bring about in 2011 the change in the Presbyterian Church that said we now understand that by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit that gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgendered persons can indeed serve as deacons and elders and pastors in the church. As a result, I'm so grateful for the leadership of the Reverend Sally Wright and the Reverend Alice Whitson as part of our pastoral staff. They inspire me every single day among all of our pastors. All of them do. Diminish the role of persons of a different orientation than ours or illuminate them. We choose to illuminate. So think about this. Jesus tells this parable where a great banquet is taking place. And the banquet giver invites the right people, right? The right people. But they make excuses and they don't come. So then the banquet giver surprises everyone and invites those other people, the ones who would not even be considered, to come and partake of the magnificent feast that God has prepared for them all. Diminish, illuminate. You've got a choice. So this next week, third period, that kid that no one seems to like, you can diminish him or you can illuminate. You can shine light. This afternoon, the clerk at Hy-Vee, you can diminish or you can illuminate. Later on when you're driving and somebody who wasn't raised correctly cuts you off, you can diminish or you can illuminate. When your spouse, your kid, your parent is working your last nerve, you can diminish or you can illuminate. David Brooks says, oh, you know illuminators because they shine light on you. And you feel seen, you feel known, you feel bigger, and the world is brighter. Time and again, given the choice, we have chosen as a congregation to illuminate. We haven't always been the first. Sometimes it takes us a while. For God so loved the world that he sent committees. And we have to study things and read and talk about things, sometimes to God's own sadness. But eventually we get there. Come on, church. We were built for this. Diminish or illuminate. We choose to shine the light of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. 
Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.